0: Hey, this is LGBTQ&A, where we get to know different members of the LGBTQ community. I'm Jeffrey Masters, and I'm here today with Shane Ortega. Shane is an activist and the first trans person to serve openly in the military. Stay tuned. shane hi hi how are you
1: i'm great good welcome to our show oh thank you so much it's a very humbling and a
0: pleasure to be here oh thank you that's very nice i i forget that it's only been a few months since the ban on trans people serving the military has been lifted yeah
1: absolutely so everything that's uh still like implementation and sort of uh um, those incongruencies are still being, like, sort of shined up, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's still, a like, kind of a, a roller coaster, as you could say.
0: Yeah, it's still a, a work in progress. Yes. Okay, so, like, obviously, like, the band's been lifted, but obviously, like, the fight is not over. Like, what are those inconsistencies you're talking about?
1: Um, so, the fight not being over is things like, um, so they just came out with the actual legal and medical language to lift the band on the 1st of October. Really? Right. So I think everybody was really celebratory, which is amazing. And I'm really, really happy. But um, there's still a lot of things like navigating the health system, people getting on hormones, when do people transition, those things that are still being kind of smoothed out. Just like after the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, we were still kind of like... Hey, what about equal opportunity protections? You know? Yeah,
0: uh, um, you. I was fascinated to read that you transitioned while you were in the military, while the ban was in fact uh, in effect, and like with military like medical supervision.
1: Yes, so um, I like to say that you know I'll challenge. You know the the bull head on a little bit, which yeah. is a little crazy. We can say that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, no. So I transitioned starting in 2010. I was actually taking hormones under the supervision of a military doctor in Virginia for a little while before. So that was all the way back in 2010. So I was on hormones for six years during my service.
0: Wow. So why were you not like removed if the ban was there? Um, because I'm a sneaky little fox. <laughs>
1: uh, no, it's because um. Uh, Basically, I I took it it upon myself to really challenge the military legal system. So I did as much research as I could um, about the military legal system. And there was only one requirement that really said, like, if you're, you know, gay or trans or anything like that, it was just admission. If you don't talk about it, you know, just like don't ask, don't tell, then no one really questions it because it's a very, like, hyper-masculine environment. And so masculinity is obviously really encouraged. Right. And then uh, just a general understanding of, like, the medical uh, text at the time, basically it said, like... You know, as long as you don't say you're trans, you know, and you report this medication, everything's copacetic. Really? Crazy, right? Yeah. So, operating in that sort of gray area.
0: Wow. That's incredible. So, um, I was interested to read that you did three tours... Yes, Two. three combat tours. Three combat tours. Yeah. Uh, but
1: I, I deployed five times. just. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Um, but half of those were like a, a Marine, and then you did the Marines and the Army?
1: Yes. So I was in the United States Marine Corps from 2005 until 2009, July. Yeah. And then I was in the United States Army from July 16th of 2009 until uh, this past July, which is when I just got
0: retired. Oh, wow. So, is, is that common, though, to change between branches? No. <laughs> All right.
1: Uh, there's some regret. there's some feelings there. Um I left the Marine Corps at the time just because uh I thought that it was the right decision. Um I was a military policeman in the Marine Corps, so it's pretty kind of fun. Not the one that runs around and arrests everyone. The the field kind that's out there like yeah. uh you know, next to the infantry, helping people on the streets, things like that. That kind of uh, environment um and I made that switch because when I was getting out of the, the Marine Corps, I thought I was done with the military. And then literally the day that I was getting out, the army recruiter came around for uh, uh, explosive ordnance disposal. So the Hurt Locker movie. Yeah. Yeah. So those really crazy guys that like run down range and take bombs apart. That recruiter came to my like leaving the Marine Corps thing. And he was like, do you want to join special forces? Do you and you want to be super cool? And I was like, Yes. I want to be super cool.
0: Oh my yes. it, it worked on you. Yeah,
1: yeah. so he got me. He reamed me in. Oh my God, so that was
0: not part of your plans at all?
1: No, my plan was like I was going to get out and be a disgruntled veteran and go to college, you know. <laughs> have, uh, I didn't have time to keg and party, you know, have a really great time. You could still do
0: that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm baby thank God. Yeah. Yeah, okay. right. yeah. uh, oh, I didn't know if you'd change branches uh, because of your transition.
1: Um... No, but I would say that, you know, I might have been fortunate because I, I think about this a lot. Like the Marine Corps is very like by the books, very hardcore parkour sort of like environment. And though I was already in the special ops, like operating environment, which is very hyper masculine, like I think moving to the army gave me that sort of latitude to like expand on that. Because I, I always think, like, had I stayed in the Marine Corps, had I transitioned, like, my next enlistment, would I have gotten as far as I got? And I also question, too, like, if I was a trans woman, would I have gotten as far as I got? Because let's be real, you know? Yeah. So I always I always think about those considerations, be- but I don't think I would have. I don't think I would have gotten as far in the, in the Marine Corps as I did with, like, the sort of the, working on the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and then also, too, like, working on this ban. Like, I don't think that it, w- it would have had as much traction.
0: So, I mean, in the... Uh, trans people know who have served. They've all transitioned afterward. I'm thinking about, like, Chelsea Manning and Kristen Beck. Do you think that's because they were trans women?
1: Um, I honestly have to take that sort of binary gender consideration for real. Uh, Yes. Um, As far as Kristen Beck, who was, like, my absolute best friend. Oh, and, really? Yeah, so Kristen Beck and our, our oh. best friends, we worked in Military Freedom Coalition together, and we worked on the repeal of Don't Ask, hotel, or Don't Ask hotel as well as the repeal on trans military service together. So, like, we're like this. Oh we god. we hang out sometimes. You go shoot guns, cook food, have huge fires. I love her wife, like uh, so. Um, but uh, so yeah, Kristen and I are like old buddies. Um, we've been buddies for like maybe like five or six years. Oh my god! Yeah. So um, I don't think like I think the culture because of the hyper masculinity and sort of men not taking like hold of that. Same thing with rape culture. Like it would be very difficult to be a trans woman and transition a- while serving. There have been. Um, Trans women that have uh, transitioned during service, like Staff Sergeant King, she's an infantry woman and she transitioned on service and she's still in the United States Army. Um, I just think that path ahead is going to be difficult because we're used to the binary in the military, you know? Yeah. And I'm the only one of my experience as a female and my experience as a trans person, masculine, like that has had that sort of like acceptance in that culture, you know? Even as a Marine, you know, when I was a woman quote-unquote, woman. Like, I was one of three women in a company that had 300 men. So, like, my integration experience is so different than... You know, let's just say the average person, or they're like, let's be real. There's, there's no feminine people that went to a special ops program. You know what I mean? Yeah, because as
0: as a trans male, you're fitting in with 300 men versus separating yourself. Correct. Oh,
1: you see what I'm saying? So I'm not saying that necessarily her friends are going to like devalue a trans woman or anything like that. I'm saying that like there's that adjustment period, and this is these are hypermasculine men who are used to like we have to protect the female, and then they, you know. So I think they'll evolve for sure. Yeah, you know what I mean. 'Cause when you're in the trenches, it's just the guy next to you, you know what I mean? That's all you got really. You're, yeah. not, like, you're not like America and patriotism, you know, you're you're more like, Oh god, I just wanna make it through this day. So like I think that a trans woman she's still gonna have that camaraderie, but I think that like, you know, they're gonna be a little skittish, you know. Yeah. But I think oh, they'll man. come around for sure. I mean, females in combat, um, was part of my experience as a Marine, so and I had to get over those stereotypes. And I think that a trans woman of infantry experience is gonna be a tough effort. You know what I mean? So like
0: sh- yeah, for now. Yeah, for now. Yeah. Yeah. Although I think we have to mention that like the armed forces has historically led the uh the way for like equality and desegregation.
1: Yes. Like and, it starts there. Right. And that's what I really want the American public to like sort of acknowledge and like be gracious with that because like whether it was uh you know racial integration women um you know that's how you know people of color black people got their freedom was by serving in the civil war and they were granted you know rights originally uh even with uh the ban on gay marriage the military said that they were going to give equal um sort of incentives and pay to married uh, homosexual spouse you know uh, couples before the nation did so like uh these people got those freedoms and rights like EO protections for LGB people passed in 2015. Right. But you still got that before we even have it as a nation.
0: It's massive.
1: Yeah. And so like, and then honestly, like the United States military is the largest employer of trans people, trans people on average make less than $10,000. So like we're, we're getting there. And I think about these things when I'm like trying to move the hand, I really do. Wait, wait, wait go back.
0: The, the, the army or the military is the largest employer of trans people?
1: Yes, because you have to think like trans people actually serve up to three times as much as the general population truth. Like I can't even make these numbers up. So trans men will serve in the United States military two and a half times than any other demographic of men. Wow. And trans feminine people serve three times more likely to serve in the military than any other demographic of women. Inclusively, Like, isn't that crazy? Those are huge numbers. Correct. So, like, when people are like, oh, why would you fight this ban or stuff like that? I've had some critiques. Like, why would you fight this ban to allow trans people to be in? I was like, because it employs us. Uh,
0: also, like, why would I? Even... <laughs> exactly. Like, Did... of course. You're, you can't tell me I can't kick that soccer ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was it... Like, we have, like... In the coming out process, there's like many coming outs and there's Correct. private and public coming outs. Yeah. Was it a big decision for you to come out and be so open publicly and be <clears throat> written about?
1: So I had conflicts. I'll, I'll be really honest. Like I'm a human being. I think about these things. I have feelings. Oh, hello. exclusive. Like Exclu- yeah, Shane ex- Ortega. Hello. Hats He's, and feelings. Yeah. Not just a, not just a meathead. That
0: makes one person at this table.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But, uh, no, I had really big conflicts because I, one of the big things I never want to do is, like, make it the me show. You know what I mean? So, but I knew by leading this example that it was going to, I was taking advantage of the privilege I had. I'll just be really straight up. Like, I had hyper-masculinity privilege, you know? I was this big buff dude in this, like, really, like, high-speed kinetic unit. Um, so, yeah, I took advantage of that privilege, and then also, too, like, I understood the military subculture, like... If you're excelling, you know, physical fitness wise, weaponry wise, knowledge wise, authority wise, and you're doing all these amazing things, no one's going to question you. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they're not. They're not. What are they going to say? Oh, we don't. Uh, why are you? Hey, you have a mustache now. You know, like <laughs> that's not going to happen. So. Oh, fascinating.
0: Right. So that level of performance that you were that high level. Yes. That was a conscious decision. Correct.
1: So previously in the Marine Corps, as a female person, you know, aligned as or embodied, I was already, like, a top fitness, you know, performer. I, had you know, always ran fast, shot well, that kind of stuff. I know that's very stereotypical. But, yeah, like, I had already been at that level, and yeah. I was already able to keep up and compete with the males because I had already been in an all-male unit for a really long time before I came in the Army. So, like, I don't think people know that part, too. Like, before I came in the Army, I really never worked with a female person. So all my experiences are, like, super hyper-masculine
0: fascinating
1: right so uh knowing this experience and sort of knowing how to like walk in this masculinity i was like oh this is easy army pt test is easy i can keep up good so after transition of course testosterone gives you physical benefits so like i wasn't just like a bottom male performer i was like you know a top male performer yeah in that sort of like quotations so yeah so knowing that i just used it you know like i went as far as i could And um, the reason I chose to come out was because um, the senior military leadership and, like, the politicians were saying, like, well, we don't want to allow anyone to transition because it'll deteriorate from the military, right? And I was like, or, like, can trans people perform at the same level? And I was like, oh, too easy. Yeah. So, like, I purposely entered a bodybuilding competition. Placed, You know what I mean? And qualified, you know, like purposely like ran these amazing PT tests of perfect scores or beyond on purpose, like shot perfectly, tried out for special forces, you know, passed assessments, did things like that on purpose. So you, to, to
0: prove, to get rid of their argument that there's, like, a difference between, like, biological sexes. Right, like, Oh, Correct. that's huge. Yeah. So while you didn't want to make it the me show, you said, you kind of had to because you have these benefits that we need to flaunt. Correct. And, and everybody always knows, no know matter
1: where, where you are in our, like, community spectrum of letters, like... <laughs> The first of anything. Sorry,
0: that's the that's like the best phrase I've ever heard. Our <laughs> spectrum of letters. <laughs> exactly. Add some more. <laughs> what, what, off, Z, though, what are Z people? Uh, but that's no. Next week.
1: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I want to be back for that. Uh, so, but uh, no. So wherever you are in that community spectrum of letters, like you know, there's certain truths that I have every day that I wake up in America. I'm a brown person. That's a certain perspective. Every day that I wake up in the military, I'm a trans person. So the first of anything. And then also, too, like people don't think about that. This is a brown trans person, masculine, that did this. You know what I mean? So that's always like a whoa yeah yeah so like i think about like all of those things i'm surprised my brain hasn't exploded yet (laughs) but like i think about all those things like how far is this going to do this if i do this you know like how far would i push myself to like do this special operations training that like i know first off you know like the average person can't do but you know what if i do this against you know the 0.03 percent of the odds like and so i did on purpose and um It was just so important. I started uh, support groups called, like, first it was Outserve Trans, was the first, like, support group for trans military people. It was part of Outserve with Jossie Freed, Katie Miller, the first, like, military people, like, the officers that came out during the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. So that was back in 2011. And then I started another support group that's really big now called Sparta. And that's the biggest, like, uh, LGBT military support group of, like, all in our nation. So, like, it was just really important to not only, like, Move the ball down the field, but also to like set a path. So, like, there are healthcare practices that are in play now, or like there's certain qualifications, like what is the authentic gender? And I said, like, use the passport standard, and that's going to be the standard. You know what I mean? So, like, Huge.
0: yeah, when you're talking about Sparta and stuff, is that for currently serving members?
1: Yes, yeah, so they do have a reserve and uh national guard chapter. But it's not the same chapter as it is for people who are actively serving.
0: So I think that's huge to hear about that. There's a like queer and trans culture within the military. Yes, and it's its own thing. Uh, <laughs> it's got it's, it's got some funny points. Uh, wait, we'll right, talk right, about is, uh Like what does that mean? Mm, like its like own thing. Can't repeat. <laughs> uh,
1: no, not not things I can't repeat. But let's just say, like you know, one of the first female submariners. It was a trans man. Okay. You know, that's kind of like interesting (laughs) in that sort of, you know what I mean? Like, oh, uh, you know what I mean? To break that, like not only female barrier, but also a masculine, like trans person became the one of the first, you know, submariners in the Navy ever. And that was like two years ago. Um, what is a submariner? A submariner is so nuclear submarines, those big giant boats that go underwater.
0: With nukes? Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. So like two years ago, there were no females in any naval unit quote-unquote females, that served in that. And one of the very first female, quote-unquote, submariners was a trans-masculine person.
0: Oh, huge. Correct. Wow.
1: So Blake Deerman and he also now sits in the Pentagon, and he helps advise on trans-military policy. He's also in that organization, and I told you about Sparta. So that's what I mean by, like, sneaky little bit. A Sneaky little fox. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah.
0: Wow. I know I've never heard of them.
1: Yeah. So, oh, you can Google them. They're... Uh, they're more of a support organization, they're not more of like an advocacy, but yeah. like that holds a lot of the membership.
0: Oh, excuse me. No. <laughs> you sneezed. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell me speaking of like military culture. Yes. I think of the I think of community and role models as being so vital to the trans and queer experience. Yes. So did you have that within the military? So when you were talking previously about like, kind of like why I did this and
1: stuff, like my mother served uh, underneath Don't Ask, Don't Tell for 27 years. Um, She's a, you know, she's a lesbian. And I got to see like, as a child, like, you know, five, six, how that experience really rocked her. And then also too, like, I'm so, so blessed and like, so fortunate to have like been in the queer community, like from a young age. So... Um, but I saw how that experience really, you know, affected her. And so I tried to build those same bonds when I came into service. So, um, yes, having the support of a community is, is, is great. Like I had the support of the quote unquote LGB community, but there was no T in that community because no one would dream of talking about it. It was like the beyond the hush of hushes. You know what I mean? Like, when you were growing up? Uh, no, when I was in the, the military about trans people, it just didn't exist, like wow. we, we we heard like I heard of people like Monica Helms, who was a trans woman who got out of the military. She's the one that created the trans flag. So there you go. Oh, so really? Monica Holmes. So like I heard about her because I decided to Google and then I found out oh she was in the military and you know and then I connected with her on Facebook because I'm a Facebook sucker. <laughs> but like um, but like I didn't know that there was an actual culture of trans people, mostly trans feminine people, who have served in the military. And so that's how like it sparked my interest and I created that space. And then I learned about more trans people. So, like the first year that I created that space, I only had like a hundred people. But the next year, it doubled, and then it got into the thousands.
0: Wow! Yeah. So you grew up around the queer community?
1: Yeah, which I know it's, it's kind of weird, right? I have yeah. this crazy weird narrative. Um, yeah. So I grew up in the queer community. My mom was like, uh, you know, an out and proud lesbian. Uh, she
0: served the queer am- military community. Yes. Oh, what a f- interesting dynamic,
1: right? So, and you know, some of her partners, you know, like were also military people. You know, so I got to really see, um, like, sort of all facets of that like social stratification. It was it was crazy, but. I'm really, really thankful that I got like that full perspective, you know, yeah. and I did, it wasn't just feminine like queer people in the military, it was also like masculine people like um one of the the guys that my mom always hung out with was her best friend in the military was a gay man, and his name is Eric, and like you know I used to go to like bush gardens and like in Virginia and stuff like that with him or like build tree houses or whatever oh my but God. like yeah, but I got to experience like all of it, and it was amazing
0: so was it a big decision for you not not to transition but to transition while staying in the military? not leaving? Yes. Okay,
1: so I'll just be real. Every military person thinks at the end of a contract they're like I can get the heck out of here. Right? Yeah. You know, I can pop smoke. And um for me, serving wasn't just about, you know, yes, it's great to get a, you know, a pay- paycheck on the 1st and the 15th, but it was so much more than that. Like it was an act of defiance because I just knew like from having this really rich, queer experience and like how powerful our community can be i knew that like if i had continued this like pushing it like i could push this i know it's like sort of like um narcissistic it's sort no. of self-involved maybe but like i just knew that like i just could felt i felt it like i knew i could just push this like eo protections was so hard but like i got eo protections in 2015 you know what i mean from lobbying or like what are eo protections so equal opportunity protections oh. for lgb people even though that the repeal of don't ask don't tell was lifted in 2011 it was nothing with ha- changed in military law about discriminating against people's career that were LGB. Really? Yeah, until 2015.
0: Well, okay, that's fascinating. I have to push back on you. I don't think that that is you being narcissistic at all. Yeah. The thinking that you could change this thing that needed to be changed.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, shifting a paradigm is a bit obsessive, though. <laughs> Let's just be real. Super obsessive.
0: Like, so I was just like, I have to do this. This is like, these are the ways it's going to work. So yeah. you had that in the back of your mind from day one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean... I got to experience, I, it, it can't be described as anything else except the suffering that my mom had from like not being able to fully be herself. Just think like military balls. Okay. That's the most flamboyant, festive thing that we do in the military. But how much better would that have been if she could have like taken her partner and like really enjoyed the ball and gotten drunk with everyone and like cracked the kind of jokes she wanted to crack or not be judged for those like sort of like, you know, those small, slim, like beautiful moments that you get in the military. That would have been so much better. Or like, There's nothing like being able to take your partner or spouse to a promotion ceremony. You know what I mean? What if you can't do that? What if they don't get to see, like, the day that you worked for for the last 13 years? You know, like, you know what I mean? So that's really powerful. And I got to see that exchange
0: from my mom. So, um... That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. When you were working on Don't Ask, Don't Tell, getting that repealed, it's it's fairly exclusive. Uh, It does not include trans people. Was that an, an argument?
1: Um... It wasn't an argument against me because, like, I think people don't know that too. Like, I like to say that I identify as pansexual. Like, I I, I authenticate or acknowledge whatever the person's gender is and yeah. I fall in love with the person, right? So, like, uh, it wasn't a conflict of interest per se, but it definitely, it kind of had, like, a, a better taste on the backside, you know? Because as soon as Don't Ask, Don't Tell was lifted, all the big organizations, and I'm not trying to talk, kind of went to sleep. They went night-night they kind of coasted and they had like big galas and things like that and they celebrated it but they didn't think about continuing. And so that's why I had to form Sparta. It was because, you know, um there was no one really continuing, you know. Yeah. And even for the veterans too. Like I think about that too, like regardless of how we feel about war, like what they want and they're sort of that they're human beings and they need to be acknowledged as well. So that's why I continued.
0: I think that's huge. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um looking when you were in military culture, um, I think of movies and I think of like perfectly made beds and sergeants <laughs> yelling at people yes. in lines. Yeah. How realistic is that?
1: It's extremely realistic. Really? But probably more ter- it's 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 more it's more it's more intense because it's terrifying because it's reality. Like um so for just like the barracks thing, right? Yeah. So just imagine living in the barracks with three other stinky people, right? Uh, in a bunk bed. And a space that's probably like, you know, 90 square feet, sharing a bathroom. And then you have this, you know, angry team leader, supervisor that you work with that also comes to your room once a week to like make sure you folded your underwear perfectly square. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's no way. And I lived in the barracks until about 2006. Yeah. So like for five years, that was my life. And I was like, I'm a grown up. I pay yeah. my own
0: bills, you know? Uh, yeah, so... So even experiencing that frustration, how could you stay in it so much longer? Um, it just, it just accepted.
1: Yeah, I mean, with anything... How do I say that? Positive mental attitude, fake it till you make it sort of thing. Like, yeah. with any... I'm just really good at doing it. I'm good at lying to myself like, Yeah, we're running through the desert. <laughs> Literally. But, uh, we're going to stop running eventually, you know, like,
0: you know, you do have a very positive outlook.
1: Yeah. So I try to, I try to just manipulate that situation. Like even doing things like, so, uh, back in 2013, I went to special operations selection course in, uh, North Carolina for, you know, the green beret. Anyway, that's serious with the green berets. All right. So it's like the top of the top, the tier of the tier, right? So I went to this course and it's absolutely miserable. It's like 400 miles, 21 days (laughs) in boots. So like, and during the whole time in course, you see like your buddies drop out and your friends drop out and you're just it, like, just grabs your heart. And you're like, oh, he was such a strong guy, you know, yeah. like, oh, and if he can't do it, I can't do it. But then you're like, ah, I'm just going to keep going until like I break. And yeah. that's, you just pretty, much make your peace with that. So that's kind of like how I attack this stuff is just like, either I'll die or I'll die trying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, wait, I love that. So why did you finally leave the military?
1: Um. So the last two and a half years, so in 20, uh, August of 2015, is when I had the controversy, as I like to call it, the controversy, uh, the incident where I took a flight physical, and they came back, and they're I, I guess it just kind of like karma just finally caught up to me, and they're like, you're a female person, and you're taking testosterone, and we're going to ground, you can't fly because you're a female person, and you're taking testosterone. So when that happened, it wasn't just like a, a health issue, it was also like a military legal issue. Right, so like, in all seriousness, like I could have gotten gotten I could have gotten put out of the military with a bad conduct discharge and dishonorable service. So a lot of the time I try- yeah, so a lot of the time I try to pause and like be really, really thankful for that, because thank God I did do something or like I couldn't work at McDonald's. <laughs> like um, so it became a legal issue, and so I was under legal review for the last two years because of like fighting this for pill, so I literally had to like write to the office of the Surgeon General of the united states army with uh joshua block from the aclu to challenge it and then i also had to write a challenge to like the medical documentation so like literally in like a week and a half josh and i turned out this like 400 page obsessive thing that went through every line of like the medical journal and like every line of the legal journal like the legal jargon books and like it was like you can't have this anymore to challenge it wow Yeah. (laughs) And that was a two
0: year process?
1: No, no, no. Two and a half weeks. We churned that out, but the whole legal situation took two and a half years. Wow. So, yeah. So us challenging each and every individual branch of service, going to each and every, like the Army, the Navy, the Marine Corps, I went to each and every different branches, Surgeon General, and challenged it, which is also if you like track the history of the repeal, how each branch came out with like a memorandum, where like at first they were like, we're not going to process anybody out, it has to go to the DOD or like the government level up in Washington, and then each of the branches started dropping those. So it wasn't just me, like I said, like just saying, Oh, let's work out for my career in the army. I actually like did it incrementally to each and the other branches as well. And it was super stressful.
0: (laughs) Oh my God, of course. That's huge though.
1: Yeah. So, um, it was a lot, but I, we approached it that way and thank God it was successful. So like, the implementation period, things like uh, surgery benefits and things like that too were other challenges that we had during that two and a half year period. So I wasn't actually flying, and I wasn't doing my job. I was just kind of riding a desk. Oh no! Yeah, and um, I had tried to move forward by like applying for different schools. I had filled out a packet for what we know now as Delta, or what the how do I say this? The civilians call it Delta. Kristen Beck used to be in this particular unit that we oh. don't talk about. Yeah. And you have to have a recommendation in order to apply, and she recommended me and I got a, I got to apply and get screened. And so like I gave up that opportunity, which is like where I was supposed to be this Christmas, to do this repeal because, you know, people know your face, they know your name. You can't you can't be swoopy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So so that's what I I chose. And when did you leave finally? So I actually officially got retired in July this past July so July 2016 uh, to 20th was my last day of service and then I actually started going on terminal vacation leave um, back in May.
0: Okay and did you want to
1: leave? Um, I'm, I, I'm still kind of figuring out like how I feel about it but um, I didn't necessarily want to leave like um, my dream was really to like push the ball down the field as far as I could go and I really really wanted to go actually try out for Delta and see like if I was gonna make it and like be swoopy. But also, too, like, that comes with, like, you know, the other side. Like, it compromises your your personal life and things like that. So, in some ways, I'm grateful. And then in other ways, I'm, like, still conflicted because, you know, it was a dream. Everybody kind of, like, that balloon of a dream. You're like, I have so many other balloons, but I really wanted that one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's okay. Like, I'm pretty sure there's a... There's going to be, there's always a positive trade-off, you know? Of course. So, yeah.
0: It, you've done so many tours to overseas. Like, are you, have you had any experience with PTSD? Is that affecting you?
1: So I'll just be really upfront, really candid. Like I'm a hundred percent disabled. I know I got like all my things. Really? Yeah. So technically, yeah, I'm hundred percent. According to the VA, I'm a hundred percent disabled veteran. So I have to think about those considerations too. Like, uh, I have a neurological condition, you know, uh, it makes me have severe migraines. It also affects like dexterity and coordination a little bit. So like. And those are things I was dealing with like while I was still serving or like, um, you know, I have arthritis now,
0: <laughs> you know, stuff like that. You're like, Oh, you? I- I've never heard that phrasing a hundred percent disabled. Yeah. What is that? What is that? like? In-
1: so the VA has like sort of a scale of how they judge whatever's your impairment. And so like for my impairments, the total of their whole equals up to like a hundred percent on their level of like disability. So, even if I had said, like, I wanted to stay in the Army, technically speaking, like, I should have probably retired, you know, before then. You know, too many accidents, too many things. Getting a little blown up here and there. You know?
0: (laughs) It's just, it's so interesting hearing you say that just because, like, looking at you, you've maintained, like, a level of fitness. Yeah. I'm getting skinny these days. (laughs) Um, You're not LA too long. That's why. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You just never know, like, what's going on, like, with somebody.
1: Yeah. So, I mean... I hold my ish together, I guess you could say. Like, I hold it pretty well. But, you know, like, I always have a headache or, like, you know, I'm always kind of like, ah, my body aches. You know, but um, it's my new normal. And so I think about that exchange. Like, what did I do that I could have, like, enabled other people to have sort of, like, a plate at this table? And then also, too, like, you know, I'm okay with that exchange, you know? I don't run anymore.
0: <laughs> that's, like, one thing I don't do anymore. Like, I
1: don't have to run anymore. Yeah. That's great. I hate running. Like, you know? <laughs> you know? So, like, I'm like, oh, that's cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned your tattoos. Yes. Um, what are, what are your, like, two most significant ones? Um,
1: So, the best tattoos, I guess you could say, that you can see. Ah, sure. Um, It's probably, like, this one right here is, um, it's the Ohm symbol. So, the reason that I got this, like, sort of Sanskrit um, symbol is because, like, um, when you're in a meditative state, like, the highest level that you can obtain is, um... God, it's just based. i so sorry. Uh, oh, but, like, anyway, so the highest level of actualization that you can obtain is basically the representation of this symbol. So, I put it on my arm, so it's a reminder to, like, always try to achieve, always try to, like, be sex- self-actualized and be the best sign of compassion. And then, this is going to be kind of sad. It gives you the feels. But the other tattoo that I like that you can see is uh, this rabbit... Um, it's from Donnie Darko. Um, it's my friend Leroy Sandoval. He uh, passed away during my first deployment um, in, back in 2006. And uh, that was his favorite movie. And when you're downrange, you can only watch DVDs. <laughs> so we used to watch that movie like all the time.
0: So that's why I got this like Donnie Darko tattoo. Oh. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The last one about your tattoos. Yeah. You've do what on your chest? Sha- Chakra. Poet. Oh, it it says poet. Oh, it says poet? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought it said duet. Uh-huh. I only saw it in a picture on oh, social yeah. media. Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. Are you watching my beach photo? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. Uh yeah. I was doing research.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, poet.
1: Yes. So that begs the question. Oh, yes. Yes. To answer the question, yes. I use, um, I write poetry, but I like to think of myself more of a philosopher these days. Okay. Yeah. You so. know,
0: Speaking of social media... I saw that you are a painter. Is that true?
1: Yes, I paint. (laughs) Really? What do you paint? Uh, Crazy, terrifying, abstract. No, um, I paint sort of like, I guess you could say like Degas mixed with like, I don't even know. I just paint these like sort of like very colorful, um, sort of abstract, dreamy kind of paintings. I love that. Yeah, but um, I would say they're pretty emotional. If anybody wants to check one out, you can go to my Instagram, look up Minnie Hulkin, H-U-L-K-I-N. I'm going to sell them, you know, because the moment
0: has passed with, you know, dark paintings. (laughs) I love that. Um, Everything that we've talked about is not to negate. It's in the past. Yeah. You know, like you're what are you doing right now?
1: So, what I'm doing right now, um, I haven't been able to do this. So, like, getting my education is super important. So, I'm pursuing my degree in philosophy and then I'm gonna move on to like the JD PhD program. What? Wow. Uh, but also, too, I'm doing a lot of public speaking and uh, educational speaking. Um, so, like, I just came from Rush Medical Center in Chicago. It's the second year that I've done a cultural competency and sort of um, educational speaking for LGBT focused healthcare. Um, last year, I helped them write a textbook. This year, I'm gonna help them review the textbook. So, like, that sort of thing. And then, um, so yeah, speaking at schools, like next week I'm going to Boston and I'm going to talk about body positivity and be like, oh, here's a pillow of me naked. Let's talk about affirming your gender, you know, like, so um, I'm definitely working in that. Cool. Yeah. And um, so two nonprofits, 41% and then obviously Sparta and then I'm just trying to figure out how do I rule the world like Oprah? I think (laughs) you're on your way.
0: Yeah. That's quite a lot.
1: Also too, like I'm I'm, uh, working on writing a book and yeah, I'm trying to figure out Where everything's going though. Driving the car
0: yeah oh is that new <laughs> have you wait did, really no are you learning? I no oh no, you no. are driving the metaphor yeah, yeah, yeah driving. I, <laughs> I was like how could you be in the army not know how to drive a car yeah, right Well yeah. um, <laughs> this was so much fun thank you yeah absolutely if people I hope I didn't to... rant too much oh my god yeah. this was amazing don't apologize uh, no <laughs> um, if you want to learn more about you where should they check out like your website or just social media so I have really cool um, social media you can go to
1: Shane Speaking. it's really simple dot com cool um also, too, I'm with Chartwell Speakers Bureau. So if anyone ever wants to get in contact with me professionally, they can just email Mackenzie at ChartwellSpeaking.com. Awesome. And that grabs grabs right away. But I'm on Twitter, only Shane uh, Ortega, and then Minnie Hulkin on Instagram. Cool. If you want to yeah. get
0: thirsty and stalk yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And if you're listening to us, you can also watch us on YouTube. Yes. Um, if you're watching us, go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, comment, and tell all of your friends. Okay, we'll be back Absolutely. next week. Yeah, bye. Thanks. Bye. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.